Aber Yahweh, yet again, this day, your day, your forgiveness I ask, Father God, and not, not following your perspective and putting you in the center. Thank you for this opportunity to share yet again, Father, taking me into your treasure house, allowing me to draw from that and share with brothers and sisters and with whosoever will hear and listen, follow, accept, and have faith. I am about your business, Father God, your business. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Baraklitos Aman. So, you heard my repentance, and I will share with you why. Okay, so where I'm living right now, it's, uh, <laughs> I got up and I have a motorcycle, which is my only mode of transportation. And it was 19 degrees outside. But I have winter riding stuff and I was going to go to church. I like to go to church. I like to be in the house of the Lord. And it seems that the enemy comes with this attack to try to dissuade and come at me prior. And um, always seems to try to get me to keep from going there by either getting me to um, go into darkness uh, the night before I go to sleep or just, uh, just an onslaught. And I'm finding that this is becoming more frequent because my walk is coming closer to God. And I've shared this with you before, brothers and sisters, that the closer we get to God and our walk is with Him, the more frequent the attacks will be and at many times greater they will be. But here is the import and here is the necessity. You do not give up. Do not give in and do not throw your hands up and say, I can't do this anymore. And as it was spoken to the nation of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy and in the book of Joshua and by the prophet Isaiah there and in Daniel and throughout places, other places, even into the New Testament. And Jesus Christ declared it. Paul declared it. And God himself said in Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded thee? Be not afraid. Be of good courage. I'm with you. Brothers and sisters, you have to have faith in that. And I've shared with you already, I love that song, The Rescue. It begins, the preamble is that She's singing about how we have fallen, how she in particular, but I'm saying we because it's true. We will fall prey to the white noise, interference, the accusations of blame and the finger pointing of Satan and believe the accusations. And when he says, you should be ashamed, you say, yes, I'm ashamed. And then the liar continues and telling you that you shouldn't go to church or you shouldn't pray. And you say, yeah, you're right. I can't. How can I go to God like this? Which is exactly where you need to be. Because in the midst of the tumult and the storm that is going, 
we oftentimes will run away from the very place that we need to be. In the midst of a storm, we whine and cry and cower down and say, oh, I can't do this. This is terrible. Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? A whirra, a whirra, a whirra. Well, instead of holding on to God's hand and walking and proceeding forward in faith, and then all of a sudden you look over your shoulder and you look up and you're in sunshine. The clouds are gone. The storm has already passed. You're out there. And what does God do? He just kind of looks down. He's got a smile on his face. Does he say, I told you so? Doesn't have to, because the Holy Spirit does. <laughs> Comes in. But this morning, let's get back to this. So I'm getting ready to go. It's 19 degrees out there. I'm getting ready to go, and I've made the determination that I'm going to go. Cold or not. I'm not a fair weather rider. I've been riding way too long. But as we often do, and James writes in... The book, his epistle, in chapter 4. James, the brother of Jesus. I didn't invite God to make the decision. I had already made the plans, and I was going to go and say, God, you'll be with me. I, you know, I know this. And, but my plans were already set. Instead of reversing that and saying... God, is this good? Let's go. I was trying to make it more of a compositional kind of a... It was too iffy. I didn't center him. I centered me and then asked him to go for the ride. But he likes to ride. Oh, God does like to ride. Trust me when I tell you that, brothers and sisters. He drove cross-country with me. He likes to ride. I had a dream one night of God sitting on the back seat and had his arms around me keep me warm because it was kind of chilly. <laughs> but so many people see and re know that motorcycles sometimes grow their longer hair and beard and everything. But God was riding on the back and just sitting back and he had a smile and his hair was blowing back and his beard was parted in the middle and blowing down each side. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, it just... It, I did. I mean, it was a long ride, and, but he did ride with me, and he does like to ride, and he helps me work on a bike. But at any rate, let's get back to the point at hand. Sorry, Father, but I had to share about you. Um, James is riding, and he was what they call the... Uh, he was riding to a group of Jews that were... What did they call them? I wrote it down here, and now I can't find the word. Um, oh, the dysphoria. Because they were the, they were the ones who were um, scattered. Members of the 12th tribe, and these, these Jews had accepted that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and, and, and believed that, but they were scattered everywhere. And this is... This is also spoken of in the Word in other places in the Bible that talked about that and be and that they would be called together, and this is part of the their homeland. But at any rate, they were called the dysphoria because... Why were they called that? Because spores, spores of plants, spores of different things that produce by spores instead of seed, but 
I'm trying to translate into this because that was uh, that was a um, a Latin term, and I'm thinking you know spores are numerous and plentiful, and as uh, the Lord had promised Abram Abraham uh, that his seed would be like the sand of the sea or or the seeds you know so scattered everywhere. But anyway, the 12 tribes were scattered for various reasons, and James is writing to them. It was a letter of admonishment, actually, I, I see perceive. And if you look into James 4, it's the descriptive attitudes that they were having, and that in reality, we do that so often. I did that this morning. And this is, I, Father, I'm sorry. But I got out to start the motorcycle and it wouldn't start. I'm, I'm asking to God for the, go for the ride. And after I already made the plans and all this stuff. And then, quite honestly, as we all do, and you know this is true. I was somewhat disappointed. I was like, man, I really wanted to go. But instead of putting it out there and letting God go out and, and be right in the forefront, in the middle of the plans, and he decides, you know, this is not a good thing. So I don't think you should go. It's, it's, it's not good. Won't be safe. You'll be too cold. Whatever. I had already planned to go, and in the failure of being able to go, I, I got disappointed for a couple minutes. But this is what we always do. If the plans don't go the way we want them to go and the way we decide they're going to go, and that we put them in cement and make it solidified according to our will and way, and it doesn't happen, what occurs? You get agitated, you get resentful, you feel down, and you're grumpy and, and a jerk, quite pointedly, man or woman. You turn into a raving lunatic sometimes. Especially if you're a workaholic. Are you a man workaholic? A woman workaholic? It doesn't make any difference. You turn into a raving lunatic. You kick the cat. You kick the dog. You yell at the kids. You yell at your spouse. And you're not happy because why? It didn't go according to your way. Oh, wah, wah, wah. Isn't that too bad? And so I was somewhat disappointed. But then I said, wait a second. I can still worship, I can still pray, I can still get in the Word of God, I can still be about my father's business, and I listened to one of my favorites today, and we were discuss it was going into this, what I'm sharing with you, James 4. These merchants and such were making the decision, they were making the decision and going to go about their business the way that they wanted to go and how it was going to be according to their plans and not according to God's plans. So what he's talking about, and you see if you go to James chapter 4, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. So let's go here. We're going to go to... Uh, actually, I'm going to start reading. I'm going to go here and start in verse 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. There's that word. And... Uh, 
when they're talking about these attitudes and such of these Jewish merchants and coming from the Greek, actually the word that is used for the arrogance is actually a plural and, not, and it's called the arrogances because each one activity that they were talking about is arrogant. You read through, you'll understand what I'm saying. But remember, I've shared this with you before. When you go to God, you're humble. And being humble does not necessarily mean that you're weak. Just like kindness. Being kind to somebody doesn't necessarily mean you're weak. However, mammon, the way we are, is we decide that kindness shows weakness. Let's look at it this way, brothers and sisters. Christ's kindness and compassion that he showed, do you think that Christ is weak? The only begotten Son of God gave up many of his heavenly attributes to come down here to die on the cross for us, to be sacrificed, to be the sacrificial lamb. Do you think he was weak? Well, let me share this with you so you have no question in your mind and go to the scripture and see for yourself. See, and I've told you before, try my spirit because you will find that I speak truth. I don't seek any pat on the back for my sake. This is for the truth, the knowledge, and the wisdom of God the Father and the opportunity that people can be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ in acceptance. I will, I do, let's go. Jesus Christ could have called a legion of angels. How much is a legion? In a Roman army, I believe it was back in those days that a legion was a hundred. But I believe that the word in the scripture says that he could have called 10,000 angels. And I remember that song. I used to cry whenever I used to hear the, those ladies sing that. It was so beautiful. The harmonizing and everything they would go through. He could have called. I'm going there again. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy this world and set him free. But instead, he died alone on Calvary's tree. You think he was weak when he was hanging on the cross to die? And he looked down and then he looked up with tears in his eye and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You think that was weakness? Do you think that when a man cries that that's weak? Many do. I don't think you have to be strong in order to share your true feelings. And if you weep because of your true feelings, does that make you weak? Many people think that being kind is weakness. And here's the thing that the Bible says. You don't have to get walked on. You can be kind and compassionate, but you don't have to get walked on. Don't have to allow yourself to get walked on. Stand up, be bold, be righteous, and do not be righteous in your anger. The scripture tells be righteous in your anger. You can be angry. That's allowable. As long as you're righteous, where you go, what does that mean? You don't strike. You don't confront. You don't get aggressive. You don't lash out. You pray to the Holy Spirit to guard your tongue, to put keep coals on your tongue, which I do. 
Brothers and sisters, I was a warrior. I was a fighter for a long time ago. I was raised with four brothers. I got tossed off the side of a mountain. Brothers used to pick on me. Two oldest they were gone already, so it was more of the middle ones. <laughs> and one of them actually became a preacher. But I was picked on. I was beset. It did things to me. And as I got older, I, I got pretty aggressive with stuff. And I got used to fighting, and when people bullied me, oh, tripped my trigger. Off I went. I can remember one time that uh, a guy was picking on me and just would not stop throwing a basketball at my head. That bothered me. It hurt me. And I kept telling him, I said, look, don't do this, don't do this. Please stop, please stop. Wouldn't stop. So finally I jumped on this guy. Big guy. Big guy. Put him in a headlock. We fell to the ground, but I didn't let go. And I was in a position that he couldn't stop. And I just was going for it. Well, like a coach came over. I wasn't really thinking. I was just angry. I was mad. And the uh, guy had turned purple. I wasn't choking him. I had him in the side. I was going to put him. Uh, now they have a term for that. They, uh, they call it the sleeper. I had him in the sleeper. I didn't even know what it was. I was in elementary school for Pete's sake. I hadn't done any of my martial arts yet. I hadn't done any of that stuff. I hadn't gone through any kind of training. I was a kid in elementary school. I just didn't want to get hit by basketball in my head. I just wanted him to stop. So anyway, he was getting ready to go into La La Land, and the coach came by and grabbed me and took me off and shook me around a little bit. But then the witnesses came up, and they said, hey, he was using his head for a backboard, and he asked him to stop, kept asking him to stop. So the coach just kind of shook me at and looked me at a little bit, and he goes, hey, you got to not do that. And then sent me on his way. And then the other guy got sat down, let him recuperate. And then I could hear the coach yelling. I took off across the playground and I could hear the coach was yelling at him. Didn't like that. Coach didn't like bullies. But brothers and sisters, we, can, we don't have to be walked on. But the thing of it is that we still have to be humble in these things. Not an aggressive. But anyway, back to James 4. Starting back in seven, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We have been given authority by the Lord Jesus Christ as disciples, as followers of Christ, and of shares of the word, and being about our Father's business, we have been given that authority. Jesus Christ gave that authority over to the, the disciples, which we are. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your only begotten Son, have faith in God, and that the Holy Spirit guides you, and we have been called to be about our Father's business and share the Word of God, you are a disciple. We've been given that authority. And here's a profound revelation to those of you that might have a doubt, but go to the Word and check it out, because it's there. We have authority over the minions of the devil and to, uh, to him. We can resist him. What does it say right here? Resist the devil and he will flee. How do we do that? You stay in the scripture. Just like Jesus Christ, when he came to Jesus and he threw three temptations at him. And what did Jesus say? The word says, the word says, the word says. Here's the thing. I've shared these words with you before. Lagos, which is an army Rema, which are the swords. The verses of the Bible are our swords. And the Bible is our armory. It's also our treasury. 
my treasury because I get to go in the treasure house and I get to pull these things off. Pull the sword of truth. And what does the Bible say? That we are in a spiritual warfare. You have to have on the armor of God and there's all kinds of people I've shared numerous times. Well, I don't want to hear about that. I just want to focus on God. I don't want to hear about that. That's giving glory to the devil. No, it's not. It's making the revelation of the enemy to be real. Now, what does it say here? Paul's right, or James is writing, revealing about the devil, talking about him. Paul writes about it. Peter writes about it. Jesus Christ even said, what are you going to tell Jesus? I don't want to hear about that. I only hear one about the good stuff that you did. And what is Jesus Christ going to tell you? Get thee behind me, just like he did with Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. But he wasn't calling Peter Satan. He knew that the spirit of the devil was there. Just like the spirit of the devil is in these people that claim to be Christian, and yet they don't want to hear anything about the enemy. Well, guess what? They're listening to the white noise, and they have infiltrated, and they have come into contact, and they have accepted that. That's unfortunate, but it's truth. So let me continue. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges of the brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Go now, ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. That's pretty profound right there. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boasting, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. What does that mean? Well, here's the translation. And the translation is this, brothers and sisters, that if we are so arrogant and so bold to write our plans down and then we say, hey God, want to go for a ride with me? I got all this planned out. Um, you know, I'd like you to put a blessing on it and you can go. Which is essentially what I did this morning. I'd already planned. I was going to go to church and then I said, hey God, you want to go for a ride? You'll keep me warm, I know. Instead of saying, Father, do you, is this, is this a good thing that I go? I know that it's very cold. Should we go? I tried to make it kind of a compromise, sort of a thing like that, because the Holy Spirit grabbed on to me and uh, was talking to me, which is why I was, I was disappointed, but I didn't stay disappointed very long because I got back into the scripture, I got into the word, and now I'm sharing with you his truth, his knowledge, his wisdom. So disappointed only for a second. 
But it, 19 degrees, that's pretty cold. And, and then, of course, here's the thing, too. It was also windy, so you have to apply the windshield. But then you get on a motorcycle, and you're going down the open road. You're going down the freeway. Then you have to add a 70-mile-an-hour windshield to whatever the windshield already was, whatever the temperature was. So 70-mile-an-hour windshield factor to whatever that 19 degrees was. That was going to be pretty cold. Been there, done that before. But here's the thing. God said that was not a good thing. He didn't want me to do that. So he wouldn't let the motorcycle get started. And that's okay because when I said what, what the arrogance was is that I had made the determination that I was going to go anyway because I wanted to be in the Word. I wanted to be in the house of the Lord. I wanted to be in worship. But I'm worshiping. I worship. I prayed. I'm in the Word. I'm sharing. I'm doing my Father's business. Today's still Sunday. And it's a great day, beautiful day, but cold. So brothers and sisters, these merchants, which they were, were looking and they had made the decision. Ah, we're going to go here. We're going to go there. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to stay here for this amount of time. Do we not get that same way that we write down our agenda? And here's the arrogant part is that you write it down in pen. Yes, you do. You write it in pen. You sit it down there and then you scoot it across and get this to the uh, president of the company, which would be God the Father. His executive officer, the next is Jesus Christ, and then you have the Holy Spirit, and they're all sitting there at the table, and you push that across that table, and it's all in pen. And then all of a sudden, you see the hands going. The hands are going faster than you can even comprehend, scribbling out everything, and then they give it back to you, and it's a mess. And there's little notes and things jotted on the side. Your arrogance just went right down, pardon my vernacular, the turlet. You arrogantly pushed that to God in pen because you had decided that's the way it was going to be. He didn't like it. Instead of humbly writing it in pencil, because here's the thing. God likes it to be neat and tidy, and he knows that that's the way it should be. So instead of pushing it across in pencil so that he can make tidy erasures and corrections and then hand it back to you, that's being humble. Humbly present the ideas to God, but asking him first. It's not bad that you make plans and things, but the thing of it before implementing, before giving it a chance to make you resentful and attitudinal, kicking the dog, the cat, yelling at the kids, hollering at the wife or the husband, and being a workaholic jerk instead of a God-following compassionate person and allowing God to make the decision and lead. Be humble when you approach God. You don't have to be weak. Be bold and upright, but be humble in your approach to God. God, I would like to see this done. I would like you decide, is this the right thing to do? I had already made my plans and my thoughts were already going in that direction and then asked God to go for the ride. Are you making plans, filling up the car and getting ready to go and then say, well, you know, here's the thing, Lord. You can go. I want you to go. But you got to sit in the back seat because there's no room up here. Whoa. Did you just tell Jesus Christ and the Lord to take a back seat to your plans? Brothers and sisters, you know I'm speaking the truth and you know that there are those of you out there that do this very thing. So don't sit there in denial and don't get your knickers in a twist and get all offended because you know I speak the truth. There are individuals that do. I did it this morning. 
I planned to go to church. I had already established that it was going to happen. And I was out. And then I said, God, you want to go for a ride? You have to sit in the back of the seat because I'm, you know, I'm running the throttle here. <laughs> That's not the way it works, brothers and sisters. And in the book of James, he's talking about that. That's what the, he's talking about. Instead of doing so as Christ taught. What did he tell the disciples when they, when they asked him, said, teach us how to pray. How should we pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What does that mean? Holy is your name. Praiseworthy. Aman. Abba Yahweh. Father, maker of all things made, you are praiseworthy. Yeshua, you are praiseworthy. Parakletos, Holy Spirit, you are praiseworthy. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, in the presentation of the plans that they were making, they should have said, God, we would like your approval. We would like your guidance. We want you to be centered in this and the decision. Should we go here to do that? Will we be able to do this? We would, but we want your guidance. We want your leadership. Instead of making all the plans and then saying, oh, by the way, God, would you like to go? Have no fruit, room to sit up here in the front of the limo. You got to sit behind the screen in the back. Or you can't sit up here in the front seat of the car. You got to sit in the back. <sighs> Brothers and sisters, we do this so often. We do it. But their plans are made, and even often as we do, we make the plans. We cannot leave God out. That's a, an egregious misstep that we make. We do make that misstep often. So James is not refuting their planning. That, and, and the Bible says, doesn't tell us that we can't plan. doesn't say that. Just make sure that they're in pencil and not a written in pen or written in stone, as, as the old adage say. Have to make it able so that it can be approved, approved of God, but before implementing, seek the approval of God. They were not. They were making the plans and then saying, oh, by the way, would you like to go? So God's will be done. Not your will, not my will, but his will be done. And uh, this is something I learned. I had seen this actually in old manuscripts before and I didn't know what it meant. And I learned that today. Thank you, Dr. Jeremiah. On the bottom of script, um, scripts, uh, manuscripts and, and notations that are old texts and old materials, there was an inscription that was put down prior to the signature. It was a, a sort of a little forget what they call it now on business letters and things there. Anyway, at the bottom of the letter, when they got done or the, the manuscript or whatever was done, there was this, and then sometimes in the side, in parentheses, sometimes not, there was a D period, V period. I didn't understand what it meant. I didn't understand what it was, but it's a, a two Latin words that are put together. Deo volente. What does that mean? God willing. 
So they would write all this stuff down, they'd send a letter out, and then if it was a future date, it would be God willing. And I say that when things get too far out and people ask me, you know, to plan this or that, this or that, go this or that, do this or that. I say, Lord willing it be, because tomorrow is not promised. And brothers and sisters, the scriptures talk about that. In uh, 1 Chronicles twenty nine fifteen, it talks as our days are as a shadow. Our days pass. Brothers and sisters, our days are... Tomorrow is not promised. Jesus Christ shared that. The word of God tells us that tomorrow is not promised. There are, there are two realms of our existence where we don't belong. And it makes it very treacherous in either direction. And the idea partially is that God gave us the capability in pre-planning. Which means that we can look out ahead... And this is where the problems come in. We look too far out ahead, we start making these agendas, and then our arrogance takes flight. Woo-hoo. And I'm not talking about taking flight in a good way. I'm talking about taking flight to try to fly and carry us along. We become arrogant and pre-planning and doing all this stuff. And what happens, I've shared with you, when they if the plans fall through, and they always do when you try to get your hand. Look at, uh, you had several examples of that. Sarai, before she was renamed Sarah. And remember, because she was too old, Abraham was too old. So the handmaid, Hagar, was sent in to Abraham to carry a seed to have a child. And Sarah was confronted by the word of God, the spirit of God, because she was overhearing conversations and laughing. She thought it was funny that God had promised Abraham a certain thing and she was too old and he was too old. So she was laughing and then God said, excuse me, were you just laughing at what I told Abraham? Were you laughing at me, God, the maker of all things? You thought it was funny that I make a promise to my creation, my son, you thought that that was funny? And of course, Sarah, being Sarah, was trying to backstep and lying about it. Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. I I didn't think that I'm too old and he's too old and, and I'm not going to push Hagar in on him. Well, she did exactly that. And then of course, what happened when Sarah got agitated? She kicked Hagar out because Hagar was being a little favored. And Sarah had, Ishmael was born and the word of God came to fruition. But Hagar tried to take things into her own hands and it got messed up. And there are other individuals in the word of God that talk about that because of their lack of faith. Brothers and sisters, our days are as a shadow. In Job Seven six. Job speaks to the comparison to a weaver shuttle, and for those of you that that may not know what that is, it's very interesting. I actually just like going on the reservations and watching the uh, weavers use a shuttle. It's a big device, usually wood wood ones. They have now more modern, but I love the old time ones because they make a sound. I love to hear the click-clack sound of the weave your shuttle going back and forth. But it's a way that they, they have a big uh, wooden 
spool and they do the yarn in and out and you can get all the weavings in this thing when they do the shuttle and foot pedal and everything's all at the same time but it moves really fast good operators can make this thing fly and it's in a blur and they can get these things woven and it packs down the uh intertwined yarns and it backs it tight and the patterns that they make you see those native blankets that are out there with the patterns and all these things they're probably now many of them made on a modern shuttle and it's mechanized brothers and sisters i used to see weavers that did this they were sitting on a stool and they would go through the course of a day and they would knock these things out but they were done by hand beautiful absolutely beautiful but the point being is that the shuttle moved so quick if you were watching you you couldn't see the movement all you could hear was a click clack click clack And Job in 7.6 is talking about comparing that to the weaver's shuttle. Job 8.9 compares his life again as a shadow. And then Job 9.25-26, his description that he gives of things that can go quickly, that pass quickly, a runner. A runner goes by quick and you look over and you say, what was that? And then you look down and you see down the path, you see the runner's already gone. A swift ship. An eagle on the hunt. Flying and diving to swoop in on its prey and it goes. I've watched peregrine falcons dive. They, they have areas here where peregrine falcons are residing. And there was one place that I used to, uh, uh, where I was living in, the one came and dove on a coot for crying out loud. Coot, what's a coot? You say a coot is a water... Uh, Waterfowl, all black, little white beak, and it has these crazy big feet, but it can walk. <laughs> Seems like it walks in the water, but the moss is just underground, but it looks like it's walking on the water. And saw this peregrine falcon from a great distance, had been watching it for a while, and then came and swooping in and had no idea. But when it hit, it made such a sound, and the feathers went flying, but never saw it coming. Thought it was a gunshot ducking behind a vehicle, and the feathers were flying everywhere. What was it? It was a peregrine falcon had come in so fast and so rapidly. That's the point I'm making. It happened so fast. And written by Job, it's talking about that. Eagle on the hunt happens fast. Job 14, 1 and 2. Describes again that life is like a shadow. David talks to the brevity, the brevity, the shortness of her life a little bit differently in Psalm 39, 5. It says a handbreadth. What's a handbreadth? A handbreadth is a is a measurement. You can look down at your hand, and this is why things were done so differently. And when you had when you had a builder or somebody that was working with somebody in the planning of that day, you had to make sure that the same person was there all the time, because their handbreadth might be a little different because their hands might be bigger. But this is this was a form of measurement that they used: the handbreadth, the cubit. But if you look at your hand, your breath, your, your life is but a hand's breadth. That's a pretty short distance. In Psalm 102.3, our life is like smoke. Smoke from fire and then the wind comes, it's blown and it's gone. Psalm 103.3, 103, 15, and 16, our life is like the grass of the field 
or the flower of the field, blown by the wind, gone, the flowers will pass, the wind blows them away, the petals are no more, and not even remembered. Then you go wandering around out in the field, where were those flowers growing? You can't see them, there's nothing there to remember. And so many people these days look for a memorial. How arrogant is that? I want to be remembered for everything that I did. I want to be remembered for everything that I built. I want to be remembered for everything that I had. I had the most toys. I won. No, you didn't. Did you get to pack them up and take them with you? Did any of your family get them? No. Why? Because your family split up. Your wife or your husband left. Your children don't like you. They despise you. And they fight over everything that you did, everything that you got, everything that you made. And they split it all up. There's court battles going back and forth and back and forth. Yeah, let's remember you, huh? Let's remember all that mess. What's the point? Those flowers and those fields, the wind blows. Remembered no more. So here's the ponderance, the food for thought. We're seeking our own way and inviting God along for a ride to come with us? Or are we putting Christ, the anointed of God, in our center? Deo volente, God willing. God willing. Here's the thing, too, that you have to keep in mind is that God wants us to thrive. He really does. And our plans are limiting. So many constraints that we establish on ourselves and what we do. But here's the thing. God's blessings are boundless and his reach is limitless, brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter where you are. But here's the thing I've shared with you already, and I'll share it again. Without faith, you have zip, zero, and nada. You have absolutely nothing if you don't have faith. God wants us to thrive. He really does. He said so. When I go into his treasury, and I've shared this vision that I've had that God allows me, and this is, is so beautiful. So when I go into the treasure house, it's huge. It's so vast. I can't see the back. I can't see the roof. I can't see the walls either side. And when I go in and he allows me to go to the shelves and it's as if I put my arms up there and I reach out and, and uh, I slide some of the gems off into my little bag, my little pouch. Um, it's as if I slide this off, then slide it off, and I get to gather and take some of these things out. But then before I turn and I leave, and I look back, I see at that very point where it was just a moment's difference, I see that these things are bubbling up, the gems, the, the silver, the gold, it's bubbling up as if it's a treasure artesian well. This is the blessings of God the Father. This is his storehouse, limitless, boundless.
Brothers and sisters, this is a truth of Lord God Almighty, Abba Yahweh, and none of what I share is for my glory. This is for the glory of God, the truth of Yeshua, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. All you have to do is say, yes, I will. I do. Let's go. I will accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. I do have faith in you, Father. And the Holy Spirit will guide my steps and my path. Let's go. That's it. That's all you have to do. I'm about my Father's business. I will be about my Father's business. And we have to remember that Christ is centered first, that the Lord is centered in all that we do. And don't be so arrogant that you come out and you set your plans in stone. Don't get caught up in arrogance of being able to pre-plan and get things together. Yeah, you can, but don't be arrogant. Brothers and sisters, you have a great day. It's really nice outside, sunny and beautiful, but very cold. Bundle up, stay warm, be blessed.